And now, another Oprah and Friends exclusive. You have heard her on Oprah's Soul series. It takes a fearless spirit to live in the mystery. Now it's your turn to talk to spiritual adventurer and author Elizabeth Lesser. Or your questions and comments on a new earth, please call 866-OPRA-XM now. That's 866-OPRA-XM, 866-677-2496. Now, live on Oprah and Friends, it's Elizabeth Lesser. Welcome. Welcome, everybody, to Oprah and Friends on XM156. Welcome to a New Earth After Show, which is designed exclusively for you, the Oprah and Friends listener. This is a special companion radio program that airs every Monday night directly after Oprah and Eckhart Tolle's live, interactive, amazing web class that's devoted to Eckhart's book, A New Earth. And... Um, if you hear something tonight you just love and you want to tell a friend about it, you can tell them to go to Oprah.com, this radio show, and every one of the webcasts that's been going on now for the past seven weeks are there on Oprah.com, and you can listen to them there or download them. And um, it's just been great. And can you believe it? We're up to Chapter 7 of this 10-week webinar Millions of people from all over the planet have been calling into what we've been calling the largest classroom on Earth. And what are we going to do with ourselves when it's not happening anymore? Oprah, who just has walked into the studio. Oh, that was great class. Yeah, it was, it was wonderful. <clears throat> How are you feeling? I'm uh, still a little under the weather, but that was very stimulating and... Uh... I thought Eckhart made a funny tonight, so that was really good. Eckhart made a funny. He did. It was almost like a comedy show. There were several funnies. We captured some of them. Should we play them? Uh, sure. Play them. I yeah. Eckhart made a joke, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Eckhart made a funny. Yeah, and then later on in the in the in the. Uh, webcast he made several more i felt the whole evening was like much funnier than than it usually has been well uh, you know i just uh i just gave up on trying to get through the whole chapter that's the thing it's with so many things to try to get through and the chapter is so dense and rich uh dense meaning just filled with pay he's right i mean you can pick any page and on any page spend an hour i mean i tried i tried to read it uh one, I read that one chapter for three and a half hours from uh, Santa Barbara to Chicago one evening and uh, then spent all day Saturday reading it again. So he's right that you can just pick a page and, and, and find yourself lost in it. But I, I love the class because I love to, I love this chapter because I think it gets to the core of breaking down who we are. And I love the caller who was having the... Um, eating disorder because it's easier to see in other people than it is yourself. I mean, I can see in myself how I play small or or choose to be a little me in instances. And mm -hmm. that was just so, so kind of classic when she says, oh, I'm kind of, you know, eating disorder. I kind of want to get rid of it, but kind of don't. You can see that that's her identity. Mm -hmm. You know, you could see here that that's how she identified herself. And also that's working for her. Yeah. You know, playing playing that role is working for her. And that's why it's hard to let it go. Well, for our listeners who are um, just tuning in or haven't been part of this 
radio show over the past few weeks. I just want to introduce myself. I'm Elizabeth Lesser, and I've been the host of this wonderful New Earth after show. Oprah Mm -hmm. got in touch with me a couple of months ago and asked me to help her create the curriculum because of the work I've done over the years at Omega Institute, the school and conference center that I co-founded 30 years ago. I'm also an author and... um, when I was on the television show last week, you did such a great show last week about this webcast and about a new earth. Um, we were talking quite a bit about the difference between spirituality and religion, and that came up again today. And when you go to the website and read all the emails that have been coming in, they're so fantastic. And so many of them are concerned with this question of spirituality and religion And I found such a beautiful poem. I wanted to read it to everybody about this. It's from the Zen master Ryokan, and he says, In all ten directions of the universe, there is only one truth. When we see clearly, the great teachings are all the same. What can ever be lost? What can be attained? If we attain something, it was there from the beginning of time. And if we lose something, it was hiding somewhere near us. I love that line. I love that, too. It was hiding somewhere near us. And I think that's what this chapter, chapter 7, is about, that we think we don't know who we are. We think it's some big mystery that we have to go some special place or do something special. But it's actually hiding somewhere near us. Our sense of self is hiding as close to us as our breath, and we just need to quiet our mind, our crazy mind, and this sense of who we really are is right there waiting for us to discover it. And that's, that's what's so incredible to me about this book. So uh, let's take a question from Karen. She's I'm only going to be on here a half an hour because I've been up since six. So I'm going to go home and let you have, I'm going to do the first half hour with you, Lizzie, and then I'm going to truck on home. Okay, okay Oprah. So okay. Let's, let's talk to Karen together. Hi. Hi, Karen. Hi. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi, Oprah. Hi. What do you want to ask us tonight? Um, It's pertaining to um, the question on page 186, Who Am I?, and in the workbook exercise where we were asked to make a list of, of how we identify ourselves as I am. Karen E. Wheeler, whatever, and then afterwards we we were asked to, in a moment of stillness, repeat the question, uh, who am I, to ourselves several times. And then that stillness, experience what we feel and what thought comes to mind. And what I thought was interesting was when I did the exercise and in that moment, two words had came. The first was lost, and then the the second word was searching, and then after I sat in that stillness a little bit more with those two words, the two words merged together to form this sentence, lost and searching for answers, and that kind of surprised me, because mm-hmm. I didn't think that I was lost and searching for answers, but I guess I am. Well, I don't know. Well, um, you went... You went halfway with the exercise because your mind was still working really hard. And that those were interesting thoughts that came to you, and there probably is some wisdom in them. But there's another level, the stillness, that you really didn't get to. And when you get to that place of stillness, those sentences 
don't really mean anything, and they slip away. It was like the wonderful thing. Were you listening tonight, uh, Karen, to the webcast? Yes. You know how he talked about honey? Yes. I loved that. The honey is something that there really are no words to describe. Um, And so you haven't really gone in your meditations yet in the silence to the honey place. You're really more still. What what would you say to that, Oprah? I would say the same thing that you're saying, uh, that what happens is, and this often happens when you first start to meditate, is you want something to happen, and you have to be really okay with nothing happening you're not meditating so anything that can happen you're just meditating because you're bringing yourself into the present moment so what you did was based upon what i'm hearing is you said i am and then you waited for your mind to tell you what you are this isn't a mind exercise the i am is to be comfortable as i was saying earlier it can be so powerful if you just allow yourself to be with the words. And it's so interesting because I am sounds different in every language, but it's so powerful, those two words in English. So I don't know what they are in other languages. When you just realize that your existence, your being is what we're talking about. Your being and not your being anything or not your having to do anything, but your being, I am. Am, meaning I exist, I am present, I am here now. That That is what you're, you're searching for. And so when uh, a definition comes up, lost, searching, uh, hopeless, hopeful, joyful, happy, whatever comes up, a description, it means you've now already gone back to your mind so that your mind gets to tell you what you are instead of just allowing yourself to be. And you can, in the beginning, you only get glimpses of it, you know. You just get little bitty glimpses of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Karen, don't judge those thoughts that come up as like, oh, no, I'm not doing it. I'm really failing. Actually, you might find some encouragement in them to keep going. Take them as messages from from within you that's goading you on and telling you to keep going. But no, as long as they're there, you're not really in the honey place yet. Uh, let, let's listen to what... Well, let, let, let's go back to that poem that you just read earlier. When she's, when you, the, the, the poem? Yeah. Uh, could you read that again? Yeah, hold on because one second. Because she's not lost. She's not lost. That's your mind telling you you're lost. You're not lost because you're right yeah. there. Yeah, Karen, listen to the poem again. In all ten directions of the universe, there's only one truth. When we see clearly the great teachings are the same, what can ever be lost? That's about your seeking. What can be attained? If we attain something, it was there from the beginning of time. Correct. If we lose something, it is hiding somewhere near us. So you're not lost. You're not lost. And when you have, I would say this to everybody... Um, when you have an aha moment, we call them aha moments. You can call them epiphanies. You can call it, you know, a realization or a revelation or, uh, <clears throat> just that feeling that's like, Hmm, something resonates with you. The reason why it resonates with you is because you already knew it. Mm-hmm. And it is re- the, what Eckhart has done is to be able to articulate in such a way that stimulates us to remember what we already know. Okay. Well, I did have an aha moment last week. Mm-hmm. 
And what was your aha moment, Karen? When um, when uh, when a caller had uh, asked the question, was it possible for a pregnant woman to pass on her mm-hmm. pain body during her pregnancy mm-hmm. to her unborn mm-hmm. child? Mm-hmm. And I, it, that was like a, a light bulb moment because it related to, I could relate to that, and I could also relate to what I have read in Chapter 6 about um, at uh, as a child, seeing my mom, who was a single parent, struggle financially. And she, when she was pregnant with me, um, she also struggled financially. And the fact that I had double pain body, and she was abandoned by my father when she was pregnant, so I have my own abandonment issues when relating to my personal relationship and that Karen, I'm working through. Karen, that's all really important stuff for you to work through, and also it's at some point important stuff to remember is the story of your little you, and you're so much more than that. Right. And I hope that's part of your aha, that you can understand that and work with that information, and at some point let it go because that's that's part of your story, but that isn't you. But thanks so much for calling in. I hope that's we so helped great. you. That's a, that's a wonderful way to sum that up, Elizabeth, because, you know, we're all attached to our stories. And when you realize that you waste so much time living your life out of the story that was your life mm-hmm. instead of the moment that is now and the possibility for your life, that is the awakening is that, yeah. you know, it's, it's again, back to the caller, um, uh, the, the, what was her name tonight? Who was talking about the addiction, the, uh, the, the, the eating disorder, the eating disorder, the eating disorder. That's just a story that you've told yourself that seems to work for you. It really, you seem to have a weekend like that with being sick. You stopped telling yourself the story. Oh no, I have a cold. Oh no. What was that like for you? How was it different to be sick this time insta- and as opposed to other times? It's the most joyful sickness I've ever experienced. I was so happy with be- with my sickness. And you were very sick. And I was very sick and had all the issues of disappointing people. Um which isn't easy for me to do. I've never done it. The reason, uh, you know, I'm I'm like a lot of people who I will drag myself, up, you know, sick, tired, no matter what. If I said I was going to do it, I'm going to be there. And I knew that physically I would just be worse if I did it. And one of the reasons I was able to, to be kinder with myself is because I realized I wasn't the only person on this program uh, down in New Orleans. There were hundreds of other people on the program. If I'd been the only one, um, I might have dragged myself there sick and just suffered the consequences of whatever that would have been, even though um, early Saturday morning I didn't even have a voice. But I let go of the, I can't be there, I will accept this moment that my body is trying to tell me that I am supposed to rest. And if that is what my body is trying to tell me, then I will be with that in the best way possible. And my experience of my sickness uh, all day Saturday, I just was delighted. I cannot even tell you. That's, that's, that's I, I was delighted. Great. I mean, Stepman went out and got me some Tylenol cold medicine, and I was just so happy to have that. I was so happy with everything. And my, my housekeeper, Paulina, came and said, can I make you some tea, Miss Winkler? You want some tea? And I was so happy to have the tea. And So you were in a state of gratitude. Yes. And then I took a hot bath and I was so happy to have the running water and the, I was just so happy to be in the tub, everything. And then 
I mean, Stemman came back from Walgreens about 11 something, and I was like, oh my God, I still have another whole half a day. This is so exciting. <laughs> I get to be sick all day. <laughs> it was just really, I, you know, I wasn't resisting it. It was just, it was so much fun being sick. That is so, so inspiring fun. to oh, me. Oh, so much fun being sick. Normally it would be, I can't believe it. I can't breathe. I can't. And many times, you know, and I had Vicks Vapor Rub all stuck up in my nose and very attractive. At one point yesterday, Simmons said, is that Vicks Vapor Rub coming out of your nose? <laughs> I go, very pretty. Very pretty, isn't it? Well, you may not know this, but you are listening to a New Earth after show <laughs> with Oprah and Elizabeth Lesser. And please call us at 866-OPRA-XM-866. 677-2496. Call us with your questions, and we have JJ on the line. So, JJ, thank you for calling tonight. What would you like to talk to us about? Hey, Elizabeth, thank you so much. I'm calling about something that Eckhart said about noticing when you're talking to yourself, and that that's a, a way of noticing that your thinking mind is at work and that you're not as present as you could be. And I'm wondering, what do you substitute it with? When you, I, I find myself noticing that all the time. My boss, Gail, pointed it out, and she's noticing it herself all the time, that we're constantly saying, gosh, I thought to myself, and then we realize, well, that's not really being present. Is there some self-talk that you can say to yourself in those moments, or do you just note, oh, I'm thinking again? What do you do in those moments when you, quote, catch yourself? Well, is that J.J. Miller, Gail's assistant? It is. Hi, JJ. <laughs> JJ, why are you still up? Hope you're feeling better. Okay, thanks, honey. So what you seem to be asking is you're you're trying to put the work of a new earth into practice exactly. every day. So you're going along and you're feeling yourself maybe getting stressed or anxious and you hear the chatter in your mind exactly. and you notice it. And then you're saying, what do you replace it with? Why would you want to replace it with anything? Well, not necessarily replace. Or do you just say, there you go again, and kind of laugh? Or most of the time, I'm kind of chastising myself, saying, oh, oh there's that thinking mind. Come yeah. on, there's that thinking mind again. Yeah, well, chastising is really just one more thinking mind. Mm-hmm. Chastising is not your friend and is... is sort of unnecessary. It's an overlay of awareness. When it comes up and and you suddenly become aware of the fact that you're... Th- now, sometimes thinking is good. Sometimes you have to be thinking, right? I mean, you have a, an important job and sometimes thinking is something you have to do. But when it's the kind of thinking that is going nowhere and is negative or is just the kind of chatter that's making you anxious... That's when you just bring awareness to it. And you can, in many meditation practices, in Zen and in a practice called Vipassana, you actually can just label it. You can say, thinking, thinking, not out loud or people will think you're crazy. But um, to yourself, you just say silently, thinking, thinking, and then just rest in the stillness. Like, were you listening tonight or watching the web? Cast. Absolutely. Oprah told that amazing story. That story gave me chills of being in Hawaii and the being in the clouds and the silence was so profound that she almost was brought to tears. That was, actually, tears. that can actually happen even in those moments without being in Hawaii, where um, 
thinking, thinking, you're labeling your thoughts, and suddenly a stillness comes in, and it's, it is like the honey that Eckhart was talking about. That stillness can be so nurturing because we usually have so much stimuli coming at us all the time. May I add this, too? What I am learning to do, and it's really a process, uh, JJ, and everybody who's listening, although there's just one of you at a time, I do know that. Um, what I'm learning is is that you can begin to train your mind to think only when you want to think. And that's the joy of this lesson, is that thinking is necessary in the world. But when you are uh, walking in the park, Eckhart said this earlier that you know many times on the trail that he walks near his home, you see so many people, and you see this too in Central Park, uh, JJ, mm-hmm. that everybody's doing everything but being in the park. They're in there on their headphones and they're listening to the music or they're chatting with their friends or they're on the phone or they're doing they're everywhere but in the park. And so what I've tried to do and what he's saying through a new earth is just more and more several times a day. And we're going to talk about this next week. The more you can come back to your breath, take a deep breath two or three times a day and just be with your breath is the greatest spiritual teaching you can begin to give yourself And when there's time to think about something, say, now I want to think about whatever it is you need to do. Mm -hmm. And being able to be present, fully present in whatever moment is happening. If you're engaged in something, you know, with uh, Gail or Amy or whomever in the office, give that your full attention. Mm -hmm. So that whatever it is you're doing, get your full attention. And when you want to think, say, now I will give myself some time to think about these these things that need to be thought through. And you know, something you may want to consider doing um, is because you live in New York and there's some wonderful meditation centers in New York and all over the country actually, is to take um, a meditation retreat like a weekend and learn the practice of meditation because it, the more you actually have a meditation practice, the more you really can answer that question for yourself how do you quiet the self-talk? Um, Most people aren't going to take a take a class, Lizzie. Most people aren't going to go and take a class. And JJ, I doubt if she's going to take one either. Well, I've, been, I've taken classes already. And oh, are you? So, so there. Okay, no, but I mean, most people aren't going to take take a take a meditation class, but they can start with three breaths at noon every day. You can sure. start adding more breaths into your life every day. You can, but let's put it this way. If you're the kind of person, if you're listening and you're saying, I just can't figure out how to do this, I do want to recommend either through a book or a class or tapes or something, a meditation practice is a fantastic thing to try to integrate into your life. That I agree. And it's hard to dis- to explain what happens in those moments of stillness um, a friend of mine who is a meditation teacher says there's a, a several thousand year tra- history of sounding like an idiot when you try to describe meditation. <laughs> and I think that Eckhart described it so beautifully tonight when he talked about honey. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to listen to that clip right now. Okay. Usually knowing is conceptual knowing. Right. So the analogy one could have, which is sometimes given, is with honey. You can examine the chemical makeup of honey. You can examine the molecular structure of honey. I can tell you it's sweet. You can write a PhD about honey, or you can write poems about honey. 
But if you have never tasted honey, in other words, if honey has not merged with you, mm -hmm. then you don't really know honey. But the moment you taste honey, then you know honey. And all the other stuff beforehand, even your PhD about honey, if you wrote one, is not true knowing. knowing. Yes. It's only conceptual. And that's, that's very similar to um, the stillness that happens when the self-talk quiets down. It's hard to explain it, but it's so wonderful to experience it through taking these conscious breaths, as Oprah said, every now and then. Or a full class, JJ, if you want to. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for calling, JJ. Thank you, guys. All right. Our next caller is Patty. Hi, Patty. Oh, hello. Hi. Where are you calling from, Patty? I'm calling from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Well, love that. Got a primary coming up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, Hello. Yeah, please go and vote and do some conscious breathing okay. and vote. Okay. So, Patty, what do you want to ask us? Absolutely. Well, my, my question is regarding allowing the diminishment of the ego. And um, tonight we were talking about when someone criticizes you or blames you or calls you names, um, instead of retaliating or defending yourself, just do no stuff, nothing and the ego will start to diminish. And my question is, is, is what do you do with the emotions? Because when you feel criticized, you can feel hurt or, um, you know, whatever comes up. Mm -hmm. And I know that Eckhart also talked about tonight, just be with the isness of the emotion. So mm -hmm. I, I just, in a way, thinking about, is it possible to role play a little bit of that out? Mm -hmm. Maybe um, between the two of you to see how, you would respond in an appropriate way and not get the ego involved in it. <laughs> well, a little acting class here. <laughs> oh, and, and I'm talking about, you know, like a relationship that you're really invested in, you know, for example, with your spouse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think what, what he's saying there is the emotion is so attached to the ego that when you just allow yourself for a moment to pull back, you can feel yourself calming down, whether it was anger or feeling like, you know, you weren't respected enough or that you didn't give me what I needed, that if you can just um, step back for, from it for a moment. I mean, I will share an example with you. I don't know uh, about role-playing with Lizzie here, but I, <laughs> I'll share an example. When I first... Um, uh, started talking about this book. Uh, Stem and I, I think I shared this at the first class. We were having a disagreement about what is the most important question to ask yourself in life. And uh, his answer was different than mine, and I thought that mine was the right answer. And so I got in a huff and left the table. Like, well, I certainly know because I'm a spiritual being, and um, your answer's wrong. I didn't say your answer is wrong, but that's what I was feeling. And the emotion was, I am here trying to tell you this, and I've read the book, and I'm teaching the class, and you're going to tell me. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember going upstairs and then Stedman yelling upstairs, okay, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Your question is the most important question. And in that moment, I mean, even before then, I realized, oh, this is my ego that wants to be right why is it that I feel I feel like I have to be right? Why can't, you know, what he has to offer or what he has to say be as equally true for him 
as what I believe is is, is true mm-hmm. for myself. And what, what Eckhart was saying tonight about that is that um, it's only when the mind starts to interpret what you're feeling that you get into trouble. So let's say if Oprah had slowed down for a moment and felt what was she really feeling about this. Maybe she would have felt like sadness, like I want I want Stedman to feel exactly the way I do. I don't feel connected to him. I feel disconnected from him when we don't agree. And and for a moment she could have just felt the pure emotion of what was really going on in her. And if and maybe it wasn't sadness. I'm putting words in your mouth, but allow me to do this, Oprah. And so she would feel what she was feeling. And then the mind clicks in and it starts to say, but he should, he should think that way. Well, I know. It wasn't sadness. It was, it was, it, I can tell you what it's exactly what I was feeling. I was feeling like you're not rec- recognizing mm. that I'm smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, it wasn't sadness. It was all, it was like, see, once again, you're not recognizing that I'm really so smart. So you were not feeling seen. Yes. And it's probably an old, like, like Eckhart was talking about that line from the Course in Miracles. Um, about uh, you're never feeling what's what is it, Oprah? What's the line that he said? Well, that... what it, the the essence of the line is is that what you think the argument is about is never what it's really about. Right. It's so never you really you about. were feeling an old pain of yeah. not being seen. Uh-huh. So okay, so you not slow down, not, being, not heard. being heard. You you feel that you feel that pain, and then when the mind starts kicking in, if you can. And now I'm now I'm um, Patty. I'm I'm talking to you about your question here. So, so if you can just cleanly feel that pain, and when the mind starts clicking in, you just label that I'm just thinking, and you you just stay in your in your true emotion for a moment. Then it begins to dissipate. It's only when you start thinking about what you're feeling and lay, l- putting blame into it and um, all sorts of crazy thinking around it, that's when the emotion turns into ego. Do you understand that? I, I do. And, and then um, to follow up with that, does it mean when you can actually, after you feel that, then you can put some power behind your words and not have a reactive force? Yeah. Because they, that, that's what he was saying after that, that, that stepping back allows you to do that. Well, if you feel aware. you need to say um, the kind of no he was talking about, do you mean? like, Or, or just that maybe I, I felt hurt by what you said. Yes, absolutely. And yep. then you can say it without the negativity That's and, and right. without being critical. That's right. Uh, any, any kind of um, But the important critical. thing to ask is, did your ego feel hurt? Or did you feel hurt? I thought you were going to ask that, yes. Yeah. Did your <laughs> ego feel hurt or did you feel hurt? And the also important question to ask is, what am I really feeling here? Is what, you know, Lizzie was just, Elizabeth, I'm sorry. Elizabeth was just saying, you know, what am I really feeling here? Aside from we're arguing about whatever, but you're never really arguing about what you appear to be arguing about. You're always, it's always underneath. If you have any, uh, you know, have strong emotions about it, it's about some, you know, unexpressed pain or feelings that you have that, that, that haven't been addressed. So thank you for your call. I hope we helped you. And I know, Oprah, you're not, you maybe want to go home. You want to take one more call? Sure. All this right. This is fun. Hey. Oh, all out. right. Come on. 
Okay, so we oh, let's let's just say that um, you're listening to a New Earth After Show, and many of you are waiting to hear Marianne Williamson's Course in Miracles show. Hang on, it's going to be on in about 15 minutes, 20 Which minutes. Which Eckhart referenced tonight, actually. He, that's right. And so our next caller is Mabel. Mabel, welcome to a New Earth After Show. What do you, would you like to talk to us about? Um, I'm at, at my present weight. It's 275. And how? And I had an aha moment, and I'm like, well, this is not who I am. So how do I get to be at that moment to accept what's going on with me? And go on. In that aha moment, Mabel, who did you feel you were? What what were you? Could you even describe the essence of what you experienced? It was like I cried a little bit because I'm like, this is not who I am. You mean how you... did I get? You know, from here, how did I get from here, and how can I get to there? All right, so. In your aha moment, what you experienced was who you're not. Is yes. that what you're saying? And you're saying, I am not this person who weighs this much. Yes. All right. The next step is getting to an experience of who you really are. Mm-hmm. And when you have the experience of who you really are, then that begins to fill you up so deeply. It almost feeds you like the food it is that you're eating now that you don't want to eat so much of. Your, your, your path now is to experience more and more who you really are. Have you been reading the book and listening to the, the web course? Yes. And what, what um, has any of the practices or ideas that Eckhart's been talking about resonated with you? I, I, it did. Um, I catch myself um, saying, "Well, this is my ego talking. I don't really want this." Mm-hmm. When I, you know, when I want something. What's What's your favorite part so far? What gives you joy from the book? Is to let go mm-hmm. of the past. Hmm. And get into the now. May I say that, um, trying not to cough, makes me want to cough. But anyway, may I say, Mabel, that years ago, I just wrote about this in, um, just wrote this as a what I know for sure for O Magazine. Years ago when Marianne Williamson, who will be on immediately following us for Course in Miracles, was on my show for her book, Return to Love. I This is in 1992, and I asked her, this question about, you know, I was struggling with my weight and struggling with my weight. Why do you think I'm struggling with my weight? And she said, until you accept the magnitude of your function, your unconscious mind will continuously put the weight back on. What you are looking for is a change in perception of who you really are. This is the miracle that you seek. And I would say the same thing to you. Wow. Now, There's um, a really simple practice that, you know, I've been involved in this kind of work for years, for more than 30 years, and I have taken a practice from a new earth 
that has really, almost more than anything, even though I've meditated and prayed for years and years, Eckhart's practice of feeling the energy inside your body. And he tells you to start with your hands. So when you're feeling anxious or when you're feeling that sense of hunger that you turn to food for, if instead of doing that, if instead of turning to food or whatever your coping mechanisms are, whatever you do to fill the God-shaped hole in you, if you can begin to feel in your body this sense of life, this sense of living spirit in your body, which is, as we were talking about tonight, who you really are. Who you really are is a live, vibrating, fantastic, huge spirit. You don't need to fill yourself with food because you already are a miracle. This- yes. And the reason you're you're using food is the same reason that the young girl called in tonight saying that she you know, has an eating disorder because you still see yourself as a small person, as a mm. small, as the, you're still looking at yourself as the little me. And right now, food is, um, food is as big as it gets for you. I mean, you, food becomes the, food is love for you. Food is comfort for you. Food is the um, supplier for your life's meaning in so many ways. And so the miracle that you're looking for is the uh, that we're all looking for is the full realization of who you really are and when that happens you won't need to cover that up with food wow i hope that helped you and thank you so much for calling in oh yes it has thank you so much all yeah. right thank let the you, process Oprah. begin it's a it's a it's a it's a it's and this for you just like it has been for me is your spiritual course That's this right. is this is where your church is Mm-hmm. You, this Oprah. is where your church is. This is where the real work of your life is, Thank is in getting yourself back, uh, bringing yourself back to yourself, bringing yeah. yourself back to yourself, back to health, back to fullness, back to wholeness for yourself. That's your spiritual path. Thank you so much. Yeah. You're so, so welcome, Mabel. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Good night. Lizzie, I'm going to go because I'm trying not to cough here, and it's been wonderful talking to all the callers, but yeah. I'm going to let you handle it. Yeah, here, we Sister want Girl. you to go home and gain happiness from your, from my your sickness. And yes. My sickness and my... Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cold medicine. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Oprah. We'll um, talk to you next week. All right. All right. So uh, you are listening to A New Earth After show. I'm Elizabeth Lesser, your host, and if you have a question, please call us, 866-OPRA-XM, that's 866-677-2496, and we have Laura on the phone. Thanks for calling, Laura. Where are you calling from tonight? I'm calling from Connecticut. Well, welcome. What are you, what would you like to talk about? Um... I've been dealing with, I mean, I've always had, like, a a stress problem, and I think it kind of, it it changes me, and it's hard because it it affects, like, relationships, and, um, like, getting over, like, fears and worries and um, trying to actually gain, like, you know, the 
who I am inside of me, kind of like my self-confidence. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you're dealing with a lot of just uh, anxiety and fears that are just coming at you all the time, randomly. Is that right? What, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and it's just affecting. Yeah, and it gets in the way of relationships and right. just showing up fully every day in life. Mm-hmm. So, um, what Eckhart was talking about tonight, which um, I certainly have experienced in my own life as one of the most solid truths I could tell you about, and I know I've 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 used it over and over in my life, is that stress and anxiety um, are when something is actually happening to you, if you accept what's happening, you don't have stress and anxiety. Stress and anxiety come when you want the moment that's happening right now to be different. It's a Stress is really a big fat no to what's happening in your life. You know, it's really helpful to me when people call in, if you could actually give me a real example like today this happened and I did that. So what happened today? Give me an example of what happened today that caused well, you anxiety. Um, well, sometimes like at work, people will say certain things and I may take it personally, even mm-hmm. though it's, it's not. Mm-hmm. They just might be like grumpy or just be mean. Right. Well, that's, that, but that's great. It sounds to me like you have really already made a shift because you just said something that's at the core of this book. You said, people will say something to me and I take it personally, even though I know it's probably not about me and they're just grumpy. That right there is the beginning of exactly everything Eckhart is talking about. Someone says something, you notice that you're taking it personally and it's causing your heart to beat, you to feel bad, anxious. And in that moment where you say to yourself, I'm not going to take this personally, that's a moment of awakening. And if you can keep cultivating those moments and not not taking people personally, and in that space between someone says something and then you notice that you're taking it personally, that space there, that's awakening. Have you been having more of those recently? Has has the book been helping you to do that? I feel like it has. I mean, like, lately I've been having relationship issues, too. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, you know, I've been like an accused battle or um, not being upfront and honest about things. And mm-hmm. it's like, how can you not be able to, you know, it's hard to give somebody something if they don't give it back to you. So it kind of, you know, all these all these anger and all these emotions that are held up to also cause, like, this big ball of mess. Yeah, it sounds like you're spending a whole lot of time in your head. And and when we spend a lot of time in our head, it's like one of those um, little uh, wheels that you put hamsters on and you just turn round and round and round and you never get off the train. Your work is really to... Um, Spend some time each day in silence. I think this would be a great practice for you. Even just five minutes to spend some time working with not thinking and see if you can begin to build that as a real practice in your life so that you don't stay on the hamster wheel of 
thinking, interpreting what other people are saying, reacting, thinking, interpreting, reacting. Spend a little time tomorrow and the next day getting off the hamster wheel and see how delicious and nurturing it can be to live outside of your mind for just a little bit. I hope you'll give that a try. Thanks for calling, okay? So um, this is a New Earth After Show. I'm Elizabeth Lesser, and um, let's go to Melissa. Melissa, hi, welcome. Hi, Elizabeth. Thank you. Thank you for calling. Do you have a question? Yes, I am reading the book, and I've been taking all the classes, and um, I had a relationship end um, a couple years ago, and then I got into another one about a year ago, but I couldn't stop thinking about the one before. <laughs> so it was kind of sabotaging this relationship. And um, my boyfriend decided that he didn't want to put up with that anymore about a few weeks ago. And in the meanwhile, I've been reading this book and really came to a point where I accepted the fact of the other relationship coming to an end. And it didn't, it was really affecting me quite profoundly, though. And I finally realized it wasn't, I don't, I realized I had to stop basically concentrating on that so much. And now I want, I would like to approach my current ex-boyfriend and relay this information to him without sounding desperate and needy, but, you know, maybe a chance to reconcile things. Mm-hmm. I didn't, mm-hmm. wondered if you had any ideas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, if you really know that this is this is the truth for you, that um, you you know, as Eckhart was saying tonight, he he spoke so beautifully about how tragic times and difficult times and loss sometimes loss can be a huge awakener. I want to play you that clip, and then we're going to get right back to your question. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's clip. Yeah, let's listen to that. An example, I was talking to a woman who lost her son. He had an illness. He was about 28, I believe. And she was sitting next to him at his deathbed. And just a few minutes before he died and just after he died, she could sense an enormous peace descending upon the room and filling mm. the whole room. And she could feel that there was a sacred presence in the room in the moment of death. So she had totally surrendered to that. And it's very painful. It's even more painful for a parent to have to witness a child's death than the other way around. That was the most sacred moment in her life. And that lasted for about 10 minutes. And after 10 minutes, her mind came in, and suddenly she started crying and protesting. So, Melissa, um, in your moment of loss of this relationship, would you say you had a sacred experience like, wow, I really want to get this back. I am ready to do relationship differently. Would you say you've had that moment? Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. Well, then I think you have all the power behind you now. If you can go into a conversation with your boyfriend in that, with that sacredness and real genuineness and really explain to him, tell him what happened and tell him that this is what I needed. I, I needed it to grow up 
and I understand what I did. I understand that I was never fully with you. I was never in the moment of our relationship because I was still living in the old relationship, and I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to do that with you. I don't want to do that at work. I don't want to do that. I want to be fully present with you. All you can do is tell him that and come from your deepest heart and with no expectation from him okay. coming back. And that's a really important part. You don't want to go in there manipulating. You want to go in there and say your sacred truth. And if he responds to you, then you can start over. And this can be the new ground of your relationship. And I, I really hope he does respond to you in that way. Thank you very much. Thank you for calling. That's very helpful. Okay, great. Andrew's calling, and um, he also seems to have a question about relationships. This seems to be the relationship night. Andrew, welcome. Welcome to a New Earth After Show. Thanks for calling. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm frustrated at this point. I'm 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 almost forty years old. And my life situation is, is really fantastic. I have a fantastic job. I live in a fantastic home. Um, I have lovely things around me. I've, I've got beautiful pets and so on. And, and uh, that's just a little bit of a background here. My question is this. Um, I've, I'm looking, I'm basically, well, no, I am. I'm going through my third divorce now. And, and it's, it's, uh, it's very painful, of course. And why why can't I have a, a lovely relationship? That's the only thing missing in my life. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not going to be able to have a specific answer for you without knowing a lot, but I do know one of the best parts about Chapter um, 7 that, that we talked about tonight was this line that Eckhart says. I love it so much. He says, Whatever you think the world is withholding from you, you are withholding from the world. And sometimes that's a really hard truth to let in. I know it has been in my own life. But in this case, in relationship, which, by the way, is most everybody's biggest problem, so you are so not alone in this. I hope you don't feel like you're this huge failure because many, many people go through what you're going through. And I know you've gone through three of them, but a lot of people have. So I want you to give yourself a break and not heap onto the pain of the loss of relationship this sense that you're such a failure because a lot of people struggle with relationships. But what Eckhart is saying is that what you are not getting from these relationships is something you're not giving. Does this resonate with you? Can you hear any truth in this about you in relationship? You know, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, you know, my first, my first marriage. I, I mean, I would absolutely say that I, you know, made the mistakes. I was withholding. I was a jerk, and so on. Second marriage, whatever. I did some improvements. There were different <laughs> changes. But this last marriage, I'm telling you. I mean, I went through my whole retinue and my whole, the whole way I am and the way I am in the world and so on. I made all these improvements and so on. And the woman still walked out. And if I'm, you know, if I'm withholding something or if I'm not giving to the relationship, I would love to know what it is. Well, there's a, there's a, there's a good way for you to, to, to test this out. 
and it's you can practice giving and then seeing what comes back to you in easier ways than with a, a romantic relationship. Try it at work. Try it with the person you buy coffee from every morning. Try it with less potent things than a love relationship. Start giving, giving, giving wherever you are, even if it feels unnatural at first. Be as warm to other people as you would like them to be to you. Listen as well to other people as you would like to be listened to. Love as strongly as you would like to be loved. Try it in less, um, uh, not in the romantic way. Try that first. Try that for a while. Begin to sort of develop your giving muscle and see right. what comes back at you. And I, right. I, re- I really think that could have, that could, that's your practice. That's your spiritual practice. Thank you right. so much for calling, and I hope that helped you some. We're, we're getting to the end of the show here. And um, I, there was a, an email that came in to the web boards that I loved so much. Beth from Appleton, Wisconsin said she's been working with um, the This Too Shall Pass, something that was in this chapter, and she noticed that it's much easier to accept this in her own life situation than in the world situation. For example, um, what's going on like in wars or what happened this week. It was all over the news about the 13-year-old girls having spiritual weddings to older men, things like that. And she's saying, like, how do we deal with the terrible things in the earth, in, in the globe, in the news? And I just wanted to respond to for all of us for this. I want to suggest this week that we not spend so much time listening to negative news, not to put your head in the sand, but there's so many good things happening. It would be as if like a newscaster, why don't they do things like breaking news, people were really nice to each other on a bus today, or breaking news, a nurse sat at the side of a dying patient's bed in a hospital. Every single day, miracles are happening. People are so good to each other. I invite all of us this week to spend more time focusing on what's right in the world than what's wrong in the world. It's a beautiful practice to develop what Eckhart was talking about today, gratitude, to live in a field of gratitude. It's been wonderful sharing time with you tonight. I really hope you come back next week. We're getting to the end of this show and of the webcast. We'll be at Chapter 8 next week, and then we have 9 and 10. And um, it's, it's, it's a pleasure. It's just a pleasure to be sharing with the whole world a book that has such a potential to create the new earth that we all desire so deeply, a world of peace. Thank you, and good night. You've been listening to an encore presentation of A New Earth on Oprah and Friends. Be sure to join us every Monday at 9 p.m. in the East for a new live on-air worldwide classroom with Oprah and spiritual teacher Eckhart Tolle. To register for the web event and for more information on A New Earth, go to Oprah.com. 